Welcome to Main Street Banking, a podcast for community bankers brought to you by the Barrett School of Banking, located in the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Byron Earnhardt. I am the program director here at Barrett, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our corner of the banking world and hope that we can make your bank, your staff, and maybe even your day a better one. Well, Brian, it's uh, good to talk to you again, man. I know it's been a while since we've seen each other since, uh, you know, way back in the dark ages in, in Orlando uh, several, several months ago. But uh, for our listeners who may not remember you from the last time we talked, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Abaca. Yeah, hey, thanks, Byron. I'm really glad to be back talking with you again. I appreciate uh, us getting the opportunity to do this on the podcast. Yeah. And yeah, you know, sure. You know, just a little bit about my background. Last time we talked, I I kind of had a, a little bit of a different uh, different hat on here. Uh, you know, really working with uh, the venture center and sourcing innovation for their fintech and think tech accelerator programs that they're running in partnership. And, and um, you know, it was really through that through that connection to banking innovation that you know me and my the, the co-founders and I uh, discovered the size of the problem in cannabis. And, uh, you know, discovered kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts of the problem with respect to why banks do it, why banks don't do it, you know, what are the barriers to entry. And, you know, the, the thing that we really landed on is the reason why we wanted to jump in and solve this problem was because, you know, this is it was a security problem for cannabis business owners. And if you really think about what kind of predicates uh, banking anyway, right? Like why people use banks and, you know, this goes back hundreds and hundreds of, of years, of course, it, it really is about security and being able to safely put our money somewhere and, and know that, you know, we're not going to become, uh, you know, become victims of a crime because we have lots of, uh, lots of cash on hand. But, but yet that was exactly what was happening to many business owners, uh, you know, especially in the early states that adopted some type of cannabis, you know, state legal cannabis program. And this is a, you know, it, it, um, you know, I'm glad that we've come a long way since those early days in the cannabis industry in the U.S. You know, there are many businesses that are banked now. There are banks that more and more banks that are getting into it, but still the industry is underserved and, and definitely underserviced. Um, and it, it breaks down to regulatory concerns on the part of banks as to why they don't want to jump into this. And so Abaca is, you know, cannabis banking solved. And, you know, we are a company that's one part fintech, one part reg tech, and we're helping banks capitalize on this industry. And you know, today we're working already with a handful of partner banks in multiple states and, and helping them, uh, you know, both attract these, uh, these deposits uh, attract some fee income that's associated with these deposits and, you know, really capitalize on the industry. And so when we, you know, when we look at and when we started to discover in the early days of this company, which we started this company back in 2017, uh, you know, we, we wanted to learn why banks do or do not get into the industry. And there was, there were these repeating themes that kept, you know, that kept coming up in our discovery conversations. And, you know, one was the learning curve that's associated with it. There's a, a pretty big enhanced due diligence regime that's got to be uh, overlaid on top of this, uh, any cannabis banking portfolio. And that starts when the account is originated and, and, mm -hmm. and, 
you know, digging deep uh, into these beneficial owners to understand who they are and make sure that they, uh, you know, that they have, um, you know, that they're solid folks that you're working with and the business is legitimate that you're working with and that they're going to be a compliance focused business. So, you know, on, you know, that first piece is that learning curve for the bank is kind of getting, you know, getting over this new, um, this new regime and this new understanding of how you apply compliance in an enhanced way towards these businesses. The second issue was re uh, reputational risk, right? It's plain and simple. Right. Some banks, uh, you know, are, are in smaller communities and they're very sensitive to their reputation. Uh, and that was a big theme as to why banks would or would not get into this industry. And that was something that we knew that we had to solve for. Um, and so Abaca markets, you know, markets the fi financial services for the partners that we're with. And so we end up becoming the front facing brand so that we can mitigate that, that risk. And ultimately this is about mitigation and management of risk, right? Uh, on on right. all fronts. So, and that's, that's one of the big pillars is reputational uh, financial risk has to be mitigated. Um, it, it, you know, as banks are looking at this and analyzing whether or not they want to jump into this industry or not, they're looking at, at okay, how do I go about uh, meeting these compliance obligations? And in many cases, um, you know, they're they're looking at potentially hiring um, a bunch of compliance folks, which are not inexpensive, as as many as you and many of your bankers probably right. uh, know, right? That that's yeah. not not cheap to to hire an <laughs> army of compliance folks to attack the industry. So that's one of the risks is financial, and you know finally the regulatory risk. And while it's true that no bank can outsource the regulatory risk, what they can do is partner smartly with somebody who knows the industry and and ultimately helps them mitigate that regulatory risk. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and I like what you said in our, our pre-episode conversation that you had mentioned the inability of the traditional model for cannabis banking, um, the inability to satisfy what you call the banking equation. I, I really like being kind of a banking geek like I am. I like the way you phrase that. Tell, talk to our listeners some more about that and how that relates to Abaca, about satisfying that banking equation. Yeah, so you know it's it's uh, n not exactly uh, normal in the traditional industries for banks to right. charge fee, you know, large fees at least, uh, mm -hmm. just to access banking services. Um, you know, and and part of the problem here is is that you know when it comes to meeting the compliance obligations. Um, there are fees associated with that in in the industry, right? It's 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 you know not as simple as just attracting those deposits, holding them, and then in turn lending them out, and and kind of making money the way banks normally make money off of those deposits. So it it you know the math the math don't add up as they sometimes <laughs> say, right? So right. Um, so, but in the industry and, and in established markets, these businesses are already used to paying fees for their banking services in the form of monthly service and even deposit fees in order to help the bank mitigate that, you know, the, those financial concerns and actually make this a profitable, um, you know, make this a profitable line of business for them to be in. And, and you know, banks attack this in different ways. There's a couple of ways you could do it, right? You can kind of go out and hire that army of compliance folks, which... As we already determined, right, is not <laughs> no. not inexpensive, right? And, right? and not to mention right. the fact that now you're managing a bunch of people who are in turn managing a bunch of accounts and there's a training curve that's involved with that. Uh, but ultimately, those expenses get passed down onto the cannabis business, right? And that mm -hmm. results in just higher and higher fees uh, that are associated with, with the accounts. Um, and, you know, you can also go out and license technology that's going to help you do this, right? You can go pay a, a, an annual premium for that technology that'll help augment your uh, your team 
And, you know, of course, those are added costs as well that, you know, that will ultimately be passed on to the customers. And so, you know, what we do at Abaca is we actually kind of flip that paradigm around and, and uh, instead of selling our technology to a bank and selling our services to a bank, we find a bank and we partner with them. And we say, hey, you want to capitalize on cannabis? Well, let our, our technology stack, well, first of all, let, you know, we're going to come in here with what we've learned since we've started the company and all of our expertise when it comes to you know, navigating that learning curve. We're going to get you comfortable with the compliance program that we, you know, we built hand in hand with our first bank partner who, um, you know, uh, who himself, you know, the president of that bank himself was former FDIC, so kind of built that hand in hand with them. So we're going to help you navigate that learning curve. A, uh, we're going to bring in our technology stack, which is a full technology stack to help. It's really an end-to-end solution to cover all aspects of this business. B, mm-hmm. to help you mitigate uh, mitigate those costs associated with compliance. Our team then is going to do the uh, so the, the technology does the heavy lifting while all our team manages the exceptions that pop up uh, with these accounts, and it's in full oversight of the bank compliance team. So. Um, you know, we're not we're not you know doing something that the bank doesn't have full oversight and control over. The bank maintains full oversight of what we're doing, uh, has access into our compliance management system, can see and drill down on each of these accounts and understand the you know, and they're making each and every account opening decision. So we're not making that decision on their behalf. Um, we're just making it easy for them to do business with the industry by using our expertise, our technology, and our specialized team, and, you know, really to, to augment uh, the bank's compliance operations and help them satisfy that really high bar of enhanced due diligence and mm-hmm. also account monitoring because you can't, you know, the, the due diligence doesn't end when, once the account gets opened, of course. You've got to monitor these accounts and all the activity uh, that's associated with the accounts and, and you know, Doing this in other methods, we've discovered, is quite costly for the bank. And so, uh, you know, for many banks, the answer is to partner with somebody like us to help them still capitalize on cannabis while meeting those concerns. Well, and that was the thing, you know, when we talked um, that, that really appealed to me about your process and the way you, you, you've approached it. Um, and knowing you, knowing how innovatively you think down these lines, you, you saw the problem that I was seeing in um, – in cannabis banking was, you know, all all the banks assuming all this risk to take in the deposits and essentially because of that risk, either holding it off book or doing something else with it, but it's not being able to turn it around. So you're assuming all this risk with no payment for that. And it doesn't take a, a huge MBA to say, I'm assuming no risk with no reward. And that that's, in Mississippi, we call that not good. And so, uh, so uh, you know, uh, that's the way, the way you approach that to me made a lot of sense and spoke to, to, to these problems that I was seeing in the cannabis industry. And uh, that's why I, I wanted us to talk. Uh, you had mentioned the oversight of the reporting functions that, um, that banks receive from Abaca. I mean, what's an example of some of the reporting that you provide um, and how that helps the banks in, in this process? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you look back at the FinCEN guidance, that that really is what underlies all of, um, you know, all the compliance concerns with respect to these cannabis accounts, right? It outlines how you can best meet your BSA and AML obligations while simultaneously banking the industry. Uh, what, what it all boils down to is, you know, first verifying, of course, the legitimacy. And this is about a six-page document, so I'll, you know, I'm, I'm being brief in, you know, in summary here. But, uh, you know, ultimately, there's that enhanced due diligence on the front side. But then for the ongoing monitoring requirement, it's about reconciling the normal and expected business activity uh, and ensuring that that's legitimate activity and then reconciling that activity into account activity. So, 
um, being able to understand what's happening at the business level uh, in a way that and, that you can do not just in a small circumstance for one or two accounts, but how do you do this across a hundred accounts, right? And how do you mm -hmm. meet that very high bar across maybe a hundred accounts? And so what we've done and what's part of our innovation is tying into the what, what's known as the seed to sale system or inventory tracking systems of these businesses that are in most states that are that are pretty regulated not every state but the states we choose to get into are pretty mm -hmm. regulated states are these businesses are required to have this and so this is just one example of an insight that we provide is we're able to reconcile and analyze that activity that's happening at the business level to ensure that the deposit activity is from the state legal sale of cannabis which is what the fincen guidance requires so mm -hmm. Uh, that, that's that's one element of it, and we're getting down into that data, and we're analyzing that data to look for anomalies, uh, you know, because ultimately the, what the FinCEN guidance is 100% concerned about is are the funds that are coming into the account uh, from the state legal legitimate sale, or are they from some other illegal activity, right? So, or, you know, they, the FinCEN and the Treasury Department wants to make sure that there's not, um, that the cannabis business itself is not being used as a cover for something else. Uh, and then where are those funds flowing to? So once we've reconciled it from a deposit perspective, are those funds then flowing to, and this is what Vincent is again concerned about, are they flowing to something that is supporting a potentially a criminal enterprise, right? They want to mm -hmm. make sure that that is the case, that wherever those funds are flowing to, that it's not in, in the furtherance of some criminal enterprise. And so, you know, through our technology stack and, and, and through our uh, Abaca online banking system, our customers will submit vendor information before they can ever pay a vendor out of the account. If a vendor is ever paid that is not on that white list, on that pre-approved list, uh, then we get flagged, right? And so there's a flag that comes up in the system, says, hey, we don't recognize this this vendor or this uh, this money that was taken out of the account. And so that cues our team then to go follow up with that customer uh, and do that first layer of uh, a follow-up there. And then of course the bank compliance department gets to oversee that. And, and if the bank compliance department wants to follow up on that personally, they can do that, but they also have the comfort of knowing that our team is, is helping augment them and monitor these accounts 24 seven and our technology is really doing the heavy lifting. I like that approach from a lending uh, cash flow standpoint, um, you know, being able to see, track the funds, go back and look at that history, see the anomalies and, and make sure that uh, the, the, the revenues that you're being told are, are, are good, solid. I like that aspect. Um, you know, speaking of that, I've heard a good bit from, from lenders about some of the concerns uh, that they've got in some of their you know, CRE deals um, or in lending straight directly to an MRV. Um, how can a regulatory shield like Abaca help the lenders in, the, in this area? Yeah, so, you know, so long as a, a customer is kind of is going through our compliance protocol and is, and is mm -hmm. a, a customer that's banking through us with, a, with one of our partner institutions and has that level of oversight on the business, um, that's one of the biggest biggest concerns I think for banks or from what we've heard whenever they're thinking about lending into the industry is you know how do how do we, how are we sure that this business is operating in a compliant manner so once you uh, once you tackle and this is something that that you know we anticipated from the start but it proves more and more true every single day is once you tackle that compliance concern you're able to start unlocking these other financial services you're able to mm -hmm. satisfy and mitigate the, the regulatory compliance risk on the part of the bank to such a degree that now the 
a sudden lending to a business like that becomes an option because, hey, we're, we're comfortable with, with what, the, what the business is doing from a, a compliance standpoint. We understand that they're operating legitimately and above board, so on and so forth. And so I can have then the comfort, you know, it's not for every bank, but it is for some banks that want to jump out there and get into it. Um, you know, once you've met that compliance concern and mitigated those risks, you, you open new possibilities. Well, and, and you know, like you and I had talked about it in the pre-conversation that, you know, if you start eliminating or start mitigating getting your arms around the risks that are involved with this industry, uh, then it becomes a, a, a service line question of, I've got my arms around it. Is this an area that I can make money in for my shareholders? And if you know, some of the lenders that I've got are, um, you know, they're getting or that I've, that I've talked to, sometimes that question is getting forced on them. If, you know, people moving into the strip centers, farmers converting yeah. from farmers converting from tobacco, rice, soybeans to, to, to him, I mean, you know, over in, over in Arkansas, we're starting to see some, you know, some of the traditional yeah. row crops being moved to him. And so now it's either lose the big customer who's banked at the bank since George Washington slept in the field, or, um, you know, we got to start getting arms around the hemp and the, and the, the cannabis business or, die and um that's why yeah i i i like that that y'all's approach on that that's that's really sharp and intelligent um well brian i'm gonna put you on the spot here let's look at the crystal ball a little bit um you know so this is going to be brian's predictions and we're going to hold him to it and, um, <laughs> yeah. uh but we, i do want to take a look at the crystal ball because this is really interesting industry um that that banks or community banks are having to look at what do you see for the cannabis industry over the next 12 to 24 months in terms of growth regulations all of it all right so uh, we'll, we'll start with uh, regulation first, uh, and, and I'll remind you and all the listeners that this is an election year, right? So all, <laughs> right. all bets are always off, right? Oh, really, it is? Year. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so all, all bets are off as far as that's okay. concerned. There's, there's, you know, there's a couple possible courses of action on the, mm -hmm. uh, on the regulatory side. You know, there's safe banking that's out there. Um, we think that's a positive step, or either that or the States Act. We definitely think that that's a positive step in the right direction. Um, you know, it, uh, cannabis still under that regime, though, remains federally illegal. Um, there will still be a high-risk component to these accounts, though I'll, I'll suggest that it will develop some uh, some regulatory clarity there that I think are going to help some more banks get into it. Um, you know, you know, I don't think I don't think they all just come rushing in after safe banking passes, but I do think that you know, kind of the next uh, segment of banks that may be sitting there on the edge, that gives them the comfort to take a step in. Uh, and service the industry. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's that's what we're looking at from a regulatory perspective. I think that's the most, you know, probably the maybe the most likely course of action. But that's with the caveat that it is an election year, and who knows what could happen on the eve on the eve of an election, right? Uh, with right. total <laughs> full descheduling of campus, because that's also a, a possibility. So, right. we don't know what's going to happen there, but you know, it, it, that remains to be seen. You know. Uh, Ultimately, I'm optimistic that they'll gain, will gain some more regulatory clarity from uh, from the regulators and from Washington uh, that'll help us continue to service these businesses with the sophisticated financial services they need because they're just like any other business, right? They've got a product, right. they're selling a product, they need their dollars banked, they need to be able to, uh, you know, they need capital to grow. Uh, and so that's and that's a perfect segue to the second part of that question, which is what what's happening in the industry. And mm -hmm. so you know, just looking at a report uh, just the other day, 
2019, 49% growth in the cannabis industry. That was worldwide, nationwide. We're at about 45% compound annual growth in the industry. It's uh, 2019, I think, did about 15 billion in sales. And we're just, mm. you know, it's growing each and every year. Uh, predicted by many of the industry analysts uh, to exceed 50, 60, 70 billion in the next decade. Um, and it's, you know, it's medical and it's recreational. So it's the full boat. Uh, and and I want to be clear, too, that we're not just in the cannabis business. We're in the hemp and CBD business, too, because right. that's an, a place where where we have achieved some degree of regulatory clarity from Washington. But there's uh, there are some extra enhanced due diligence steps that have to be taken uh, with those types of accounts as well. So even though you know federally hemp and CBD are perfectly legal, uh, so long as they're operating in compliance, uh, with you know F the new FDA regulations that have now come out because before they were in limbo uh, or they were mm -hmm. in the limbo state or what I call de facto legalization but when they're in a state of de facto legalization um, you know the FDA doesn't doesn't um, it doesn't end up in their purview but since hemp has moved in to a state of actual legalization now suddenly the FDA is regulating so you know that that there is a pro and con when it comes to federal legalization in that it suddenly puts these businesses underneath the oversight now of more regulatory agencies not just on the banking side but also on the you know the other agencies that are there regulating those businesses directly and you know that creates an additional layer of concern as well when it when it comes because new rules come out for those businesses and of course bankers uh and, and bank regulators want to make sure that the businesses that they're operating with and that they're banking are operating above board and that they're meeting those that those guidance uh, or that guidance that's coming out and so that's exactly what the you know what the latest guidance guidance says when it comes to banking hemp and cbd as well so there is another layer of enhanced due diligence but there you know on the on the legal side there is some degree of protection there good deal good deal well brian thanks for uh <clears throat> thanks for taking some time i know uh since we last saw each other in, in the passing in the airport in, in orlando um, That's right. a little water has gone under the bridge between now and then but thanks for for hanging in there with us um we'll definitely be circling back to you on uh as as news from the the, the can the cannabis industry comes around we'll definitely be circling back to you uh why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and, and get in touch with Abitha. Yeah, thanks. And, and I think that's probably the last thing you and I probably both did prior to COVID-19 hitting is, is uh, you know, coming back from Orlando and the conference down there. And, and we all came home and I guess we went into our holes after that. So, and stayed um, home. Yeah, we, st stayed we stayed home. home. So, uh, yeah, if, you know, I'd be happy to talk to any of the listeners. They can go to goabaca.com uh, and they can get in touch with me at brian at goabaca.com. And I'll have uh, I'll have uh, the email and uh, Brian's email and the uh, website link in the show notes as well. So check that out as, uh, just right down below. So anyway, Brian, take care of yourself, man. Stay safe over there. And uh, we'll get back with you. Uh, some more news develops out of the industry, man. Take care. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Well, that's our episode for today. We hope you've enjoyed yourself and learned a little something. If you haven't already, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and drop us a five-star rating. You can follow us at Barrett Banking on Twitter or Barrett School of Banking on Facebook and LinkedIn. And we even have a new Community Banking Road Trip playlist on Spotify highlighting your favorite songs about your home state. Check that out and feel free to submit your favorite song about your state to add to the playlist. 
We have an ever-growing slate of classes, seminars, and webinars that are available, and not to mention our industry-recognized Graduate School of Banking every May, and we look forward to seeing you at any or all of our events. For more information, check out our website at barrett.ws. And from Memphis, the heart of banking, blues, and barbecue, we'll see y'all next time on Main Street Banking.